Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. Strangers, if there's one thing you've taken away from this show, we hope it's this. There's no reason to go messing around in the woods. Fine, maybe you're a camper or a hunter or a hiker, We can't tell you what to do on your own time. We certainly enjoy some good, clean, natural scenery ourselves. But we must warn you, if you traipse about in those mysterious woods, you shouldn't be wholly surprised when trouble finds you. Just think, we've told you stories about mothmen, skunk apes, and various monsters lurking between the trees. And that's not even to mention, you know, Bears, among other living things that could theoretically eat you. In short, the forest is very much alive, and what it's doing is very much none of our business. Our story for you today concerns, yes, the woods, and more specifically, woods in rural North Carolina, 10 miles south of Siler City. It's a quiet corner of the state, without the bustle of any college towns or big cities. There is, and has been for a long time, a lot of untouched wilderness out that way. But our story isn't about what's alive in these woods. It's about what isn't. Then no, we're not talking about zombies. At least, not this week. No, we're talking about what's known among the locals as the Devil's Tramping Ground. Now, that name might spark a feeling of excitement, nor fear, nor some combination thereof. Try to hold on to that as we describe what the tramping ground actually looks like, because it may be anticlimactic, at least at first. According to Spectrum News 1, the ground sits in a swath of forest surrounded by farmland. Amidst the trees, There's a clearing about 40 feet wide, a little over the length of a school bus. And in that clearing, per spectrum is a, quote, 
circular path surrounding bare soil. Per the News and Observer, the path is about a foot wide and doesn't lead anywhere, but it is a perfect circle, so much so that it almost certainly can't be naturally occurring. The surrounding forest is rich with plant life, trees, grass, bushes, but all that dwindles to a smattering of grass on the path and then nothing on the circle of soil. And the grass that is on the path really shouldn't be there. According to the News and Observer, it's wire grass, which is found elsewhere in North Carolina, just not anywhere close to Chatham County. And you might be thinking, okay, cool podcast, a circle of dirt with some weird grass. So let's return to the whole devil thing. See, this giant circle of infertile dirt has existed for a very, very long time. No one seems to know why, and absent of any reasonable explanation for said circle of dirt, people have filled in the gaps with stories. And the biggest one is about, yes, the devil. Per the Gaffney Ledger, the myth is that the devil, for some reason, has chosen this spot in rural North Carolina as his home away from home. According to the folklore, the circular path is where he paces as he ponders how to best wreak havoc on human society. According to the Associated Press, quote, the story goes that Lucifer himself cleared the area with kicks from his infernal feet as he stalked about weaving mischievous plots. So that circle, it's the devil's presence. It killed off all plant life within the circle and left his path perfectly preserved around it. Like so many pieces of folklore, we can't trace this story back to one source or even one particular time period. The oldest article we could find in our newspaper archives is dated January 1882. And even then, the Evening Mail wrote the supernatural element here was well-established in the local community. Quote, this place has been known to the oldest inhabitant and his grandparents as the devil's tramping ground. To take that literally, which perhaps it's not meant to be, the grandparents of Chatham County's oldest residents in 1882 would have been born in the late 1700s, and perhaps earlier. It's even possible that this mythos could have originated well before that, too. But... By the late 1800s, the tramping ground was a known entity, and despite the terrifying implication, it was beloved among locals. We found a 1911 poem by a Mrs. G.M. Andrew of the nearby town of Wells. That poem ran in the Siler City Grit and celebrated the somewhat ominous local landmark, reading, in part, Just one mile from Wells is the Devil's Tramping Ground a place covered in wire grass, not a tree to be found. While the name so unseemly, we are proud to be the place, for not another one can you find anywhere trace. You'll note that the poem expressed no concern about the devil being so close to Mrs. G.M. Andrews' place of residence. Maybe she was into that. Who can say? In 1930, the Chatham Record ran an article about the tramping ground, though they didn't peg it to any particular event. 
and they didn't even run it in October. This article ran in May, which feels like a brave editorial choice. But anyway, the article lists several other stories as to how the weird dirt circle came to be. Among them were witchcraft and a murder turned haunting. And it also gives us a better idea of why people felt there was anything supernatural about the place to begin with. Quote, one person of the community is of the opinion that plants set out within the circular area will wither and die within a few hours. Others say that a stick laid across the circular rim in the afternoon will disappear during the night. Autumn leaves falling within the circle are reported to vanish. And per the record, there had even been a recent and alarming tale about the tramping ground. Quote, there is a story, current, of how raccoon and possum hunters and their dogs have been on more than one occasion chased from the vicinity of the devil's tramping ground by a ferocious beast said to resemble a black bear. Now, strangers, before you get your hopes up, we should say, this is the only mention we could find of a ferocious beast anywhere in the hundreds of years of source material that we located. It is therefore our suspicion that resembling a black bear means it was a black bear. But hey, believe what you want. But if indeed the thing that resembled a black bear was, regrettably, a black bear, it wouldn't exactly make a lot of sense. You see, animals were known to avoid the tramping grounds too. According to the Herald Journal, quote, the hounds of hunters approaching the spot will suddenly hesitate, tremble, and flee. In this area, no birds sing. There is no wildlife of any kind. So, any wildlife, bear or otherwise, would have to be unusual for the tramping ground. It's not impossible for animals to wander in and out of an area, though. And given growing public interest in the tramping ground, it's also conceivable that the residents of the forest decided to give the area some space. Per the Herald Journal, the State Highway Commissioner erected signage to direct people from the main road to the tramping ground in 1941. The intention of doing that is unclear. Were there enough people coming to visit the ground that they were accidentally wandering onto nearby farmland? Was it a gesture of appreciation for this local landmark? We're not sure, but... What we do know is that people, suddenly, began visiting the tramping ground in droves. No longer was it just a quirky local phenomenon. The News and Observer wrote in 1946 that hundreds of people were visiting the tramping ground annually, and they were leaving a real mark, in the form of, perhaps unsurprisingly, litter. Maybe they hadn't got the memo that littering was bad. It would be a few more decades before Woodsy Owl popped up, after all. In any case, according to the News and Observer, quote, discarded paper plates and other debris reveal that this is a favorite spot for picnics. In the daytime, that is. By 1955, that figure of hundreds of visitors a year had ballooned to thousands a year. According to the Durham Sun, the increase was thanks, in large part, to a book called The Devil's Tramping Ground, which author John Harden released that year. Though the book was about many unsolved North Carolina mysteries, including the titular one, 
it was the tramping ground that saw the greatest public interest. So much so, in fact, that the state had to step in. In late 1956, the Charlotte Observer wrote that the State Highway Department once again decided to put up some signage. This time, it was more elaborate. And even more intensively, quote, the State Highway Department serviced a parking turnout so sightseers could take a look. And with that convenient infrastructure in place, people kept coming. And the mythos of the tramping ground started to unravel just a bit under the scrutiny. Looking for creepy stories? Then we might have a podcast for you. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. Rattled and Shook is a weekly podcast that features new scary stories every episode, kind of like this. I would hear her say things to me inside my head. I couldn't get around him. I was trapped. The other guy started to get pretty agitated. He grabbed my grandfather's oxygen hose and he cut off his oxygen. Then I started thinking, well, you know, who would be hanging around in this nowhere forest, in this nowhere area? And that's when I started looking more closely. And that's when I noticed there were several shapes. And they were slowly working their way toward me as they were moving from tree to tree. New episodes of Rattled and Shook are out every Thursday. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In 1971, a reporter for the Gaffney Ledger wrote about a group of local youths, actual age unclear, who'd taken a camping trip to the Devil's Tramping Ground. One of those so-called youths named Sherman Swalford told the paper, We arrived at the tramping ground around 5.30 on a Saturday morning, and the first thing we saw was two men camping right in the middle of the circle. Seeing this completely blew the whole idea of objects being pushed out of the circle by the next morning. We were greatly disappointed in the way the place was kept. Campers before us had left it in a terrible mess, but we managed to clean out a spot to set up our tent. We stayed until Sunday, and during our stay, we didn't see any spooks or devils. So, if there was, in fact, some kind of force that was clearing the circle each night, it had either been given up, retired, or never existed in the first place. And Sherman Swafford and his friends didn't seem to have experienced a fluke. The Associated Press wrote in 1978 that the littering situation had gotten even worse. The story very sassily headlined, No self-respecting devil would tramp this ground, mentioned that it was hard to even see the famous circle. Quote, It's barely discernible among the bottles, beer cans, campfire ashes, and axe-guard trees left by visitors. A nearby property owner, Herbert Dow Jr., was quoted as lamenting, Unless a person was aware of how it used to be, there's no way to tell it's still there. Now, strangers, you'll have to forgive us for glossing over a few decades here. The 1980s, 90s, and early 2000s all saw very similar coverage to what these last few articles presented. An occasional story, likely around Halloween, where some people fretted about the devil and other people were upset about littering. The really interesting thing here is this kind of coverage 
has mostly translated to the now, albeit with some positive developments. It's unclear when the improvements happened, but modern news reports have video of a much tidier and less campsite tramping ground. We especially like the footage local news station WRAL shared earlier this year, because the circle of dirt is once again free of debris. The WRAL article is actually interesting for a few reasons, because it's mostly discussing the tramping ground as it relates to a movie adaptation of the story. That movie, The Devil's Stomping Ground, came out earlier this year and seems to be a sort of Blair Witch Riff. A group of college students go out to explore the woods with a camera, and only the camera is found. You get the picture. Strangers, the tramping ground, and or stomping ground, has gone Hollywood, in a manner of speaking. This was not actually a big-budget blockbuster, in case you were wondering. It's a local thing. But it is a testament to the lasting impact of the devil's tramping ground, so beloved a story, it's hard to imagine any real outside scrutiny would be welcome. If you could come up with a logical, mundane reason for this perfect circle of dirt to exist that wasn't the devil, you wouldn't be thanked. You'd be spoiling the fun. After all, there's no real place for science when the devil is a-tramping and the local films need a-making. Except for one strange thing. Science did chime in, and rather early on. And the conclusions that scientists came to only deepened the mystery. Win-win. Way back in November of 1946, the News and Observer wrote that the state government of North Carolina had actually gotten involved. Quote, some time ago, a sample of the soil taken directly from this place was sent to the W.A. Bridges Laboratory. And Mr. Bridges, after analyzing the soil, sent a sample of it to Dr. I.E. Miles, director of the Soil Testing Division of the North Carolina Department of Agriculture. And what had Mr. Bridges found that made it necessary for him to double-check the sample with a colleague? Well, it turned out that the soil at the tramping ground was so acidic and so low in nutrients that it couldn't sustain life. Now, given what you know about the tramping ground's vegetation, that might not be surprising. But think a little further. If the surrounding area has trees, and it does, many of them in fact, how did only this 40-foot-wide circle become sterile? And not only that, as the News and Observer pointed out, soil normally regenerates itself over time, so sterile dirt does eventually become hospitable to life again. But the Devil's Tramping Ground has been sterile for centuries, which suggests, perhaps, that something's stopping the soil from going about its normal processes. But nobody's ever been able to figure out what that something might be. According to the Sioux City Journal, there was a time when the prevailing theory was that wildlife was responsible for that ring in the earth. Quote, In several nearby places, there were well-known salt licks where both domesticated and wild animals licked holes in the soil to get the salt that it held. But neither the 1946 soil analysis 
nor any that came after it, found high levels of salt in the soil, and certainly not a heavy deposit that would attract animals. Nor have scientists ever found poison, heavy metals, or other stuff that might stop plants from growing. Then there's the idea that the tramping ground was the site of an early mill, and that circular path was created by horses or oxen dragging mechanical tools around. But per the Baltimore Sun, there's no record of such a mill ever existing. And even if it had, the soil wouldn't have been damaged forever from that kind of activity. Plus, as the News and Observer pointed out, there aren't any records of any other mills leaving a perfectly circular patch of infertile ground. Of course, there are wackier options too. The hauntings, the ritual sacrifices, and the various other scenarios that might have created what experts call a really bad vibe. There's the notion that a meteorite could have landed in rural North Carolina and forever altered what would have been a really, really small patch of land for a meteorite, while leaving the surrounding area pristine, and without any humans in the surrounding area taking any note at all. See why that one hasn't stuck? So, is the devil pacing circles in the woods of North Carolina to this day, keeping that patch of earth as barren as it was 300 years ago? Well, if he is, he stayed remarkably incognito about it. You'd think in 2023, someone would have spotted the guy and posted him on TikTok for the world to see. It's far harder to evade wandering eyes now than it was in the 1800s. But if it's possible at all, the forest is an awfully good candidate for a venue. Cloak yourself in darkness and the potent passage of time and proving anything becomes a challenge. As for us, we're not going to go searching too hard. After all, what's happening in the woods is none of our business. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers, from the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Strangers, I'm releasing my first book this October, and it's available everywhere now for pre-order as audiobook, hardcover, and ebook. It's called Lay Them to Rest, and it's about John and Jane Doe's, my years-long experience following forensic experts around the country, and our efforts to solve the mystery of a cold case. Pre-orders are a big factor in its success, so if you're interested, you can find a link in our show notes. One Strange Thing is an independently produced podcast. To support the show and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, you now have three options to enjoy two extra bonus episodes a month. On Apple Premium and Supercast, you can get the bonus episodes delivered to your app of choice for just $2.99. For two more dollars a month on Patreon, you'll get more fun extras. There you'll find ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, two full-length bonus episodes a month, two monthly giveaways, blog posts, and occasional live streams, all for $5. We hope you'll check out one of these options to support the show. There's a link in our show notes. And if you enjoy One Strange Thing, please 
take a moment to leave us a great rating or review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps. 